Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are, what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you want to partner with us by giving into this ministry, we invite you to visit our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our Edmond Campus pastor, Wade Smith. Excited for today? You know, it's interesting. I think oftentimes when God has a word for us, there's always something that the enemy wants to do to distract us. And uh, let's just believe that God has something for us today. I just believe God has a word for you today. I want to kind of wrap up this strength season with the story of Samson. You know, Samson can be one of those stories that we think about on felt boards, but there's some real truth I want to uh, unpack today. And I want to take us to Judges 15. To give you some backstory, um, Samson is found in Judges, thir chapters 13 through 16. And so it's just three chapters, and so I encourage you to go back and read it. I want to start at my favorite moment, one of my favorite moments in this story. It's in chapter 15, uh, verses 14 through 20. Here's what it says. It says, when he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted as they met him, and the Spirit, of the, Lord, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that the ropes were on his arms were like flax that had burned with fire, and his bonds dropped with his hands. He found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, so he reached out and took it and killed a thousand men with it. This is like Braveheart, right? <laughs> he killed a thousand men with it. Then, he, then Samson said, with a jawbone of a donkey, heaps upon heaps. With a jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. You can hear the pride in his voice. When he had finished speaking, he threw the jawbone from his hand, and he named the place Ramath Lehi. Then he, came, then he became very thirsty, and he called out to the Lord and said, You have given me great deliverance by the hand of your servant, and now shall I die of thirst and fall to the hands of these uncircumcised? But God split the hollow place that is Lehi, so the water came out of it. When he drank, his strength was returned. Who needs some return strength today? It says, and he revived. Therefore, he named it in Hekora, which is in Lehi to this day. So he judged Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. Today, I want to talk to you about this topic right here. It's Samson's strength, the strength that must be protected. Strength that must be protected, that we have to protect our strength. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you today. Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us? Would you encourage us? And God, would you speak a word to us today that causes us to be different? In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. I don't know about you, but, but strength, I can't live on the strength from yesterday. And I think oftentimes, too many times, God gives us strength, and we just think that strength's going to carry on forever. And the truth is, is that God gives us strength just for today. And some of you, you, you need strength, and you're relying on the strength from yesterday. I want to encourage you that today, we are to call on his strength every day. In fact, there's a place, I think this is a really important, if we really understand where, where uh, Samson's strength come from, we have to go back to the beginning so we see this feat of strength in chapter 15, but in chapter 13, we see where this is coming from. Now, to give you some backstory, uh, Samson's mother is barren. 
She wants to have a child. She's barren. She can't have a child. And the Spirit of the Lord appears to her. And we see this happen in chapter 13, starting in verse 5. It says, For behold, this is the Spirit of the Lord saying to her, You shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come to his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. And this kind of conversation between him, her and the angel goes on. And then we see in the very end of chapter 13, it says this. It says, the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And I think this is key right here. And it says, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. Point number one is this, is that God is the true source of your strength. Now we, uh, I've been where you're sitting. I hear, I've heard points like this, and I've, I, as a pastor, you know, sometimes we have to be careful because we've heard all the, the sermons, right? And we've heard all the points. And it's easy for us to sit there and say, yeah, that's a note. Come on, wait, give me something deep. That's, God is the source of your strength. Of course I know that. But the funny thing is, the things that we know the most are often the things sometimes we struggle with the most. Because if God is the source of our strength and we know that and we want the deeper things, then why do we try to rely on our own strength so much? I know for me, there's too many times that I wake up and I go through my day and I get to the end of the day and I realize I'm exhausted. And you know why I'm exhausted? Because I didn't rely on the strength of, of, of God. I've relied on my own strength. It said the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. You know what I've found? Is, the, is that the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers me. It says this in, in Acts 1, it says, but you will receive power. Say power. power. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in both Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. Did you know the Holy Spirit gives you power? But I wonder how many times, when's the last time we've asked ourselves for the Holy Spirit to stir us? I've noticed that the days that I ask the Holy Spirit to stir me, those days are different. I've noticed that when I'm starting my morning and I ask the Holy Spirit, I did today. You know what I said? I said, Holy Spirit, I need you today. Holy Spirit, I'm going to be your vessel today. Holy Spirit, would you speak through me? Would you do your thing? But there are days that I don't do that. There's days that I just go through my day and I just find that the days that I ask the Holy Spirit to lead me, I'm so much better. You know, there are meetings that I'll go into that I have no idea what I'm going to do. Anybody been there before? Like any business leaders or managers, you're like going into a meeting, you're like, I have no idea how this is going to turn out. If you listen to that podcast, you'll know that there's times that Pastor John and the direction of the leadership team, we've been together and we're like, we have no idea what this is going to turn out like. But some of those are the best moments because we can say, Holy Spirit, would you lead me? I've, been, I've gone into a meeting before where I didn't know. It was kind of a, I would say, not hostile, but I would say it's a tense situation. And I've just had to pray. I don't know what this is going to look like. Holy Spirit, would you give me discernment? Holy Spirit, would you lead me? With my kids, I don't know about you, but parents, I'm like, Holy Spirit, would you show me what to do with my children? We have to be people that are led by the Holy Spirit. With the Holy Spirit, 
And the problem is, is we overcomplicate it. You know, we just want the big moments, the big jawbone moments, or when Peter, you know, 3,000 people give their life to Christ, those kind of moments where the Spirit empowers us. But really, the truth is, is the Spirit empowers us every single day. I remember a time whenever I, I was uh, in a real hurry and I had to go by the mall real quick. Penn Square Mall is of uh, the place of the enemy. Did anybody know that? And this was around Christmas season. And I had to go real quick. And so I told my wife, I'm going to go really quick to, to Penn Square on the way. And she's like, no, that's not going to be really quick. And so I'm on my way and it's raining that day. So where do you park when you go to Penn Square Mall when it's raining? The parking garage where everybody else parks. And so I remember pulling up, and I'm going, and my, old, my oldest son is, is young at this time, and he's sitting next to me, and I pull into the, the parking lot, and I know that it's going to be hard to find a spot, and so I just, out of the blue, just on my own, uh, real loud, I said, Holy Spirit, give us a spot. And then I looked over at my son, and I go, oh no, he heard me say that. <laughs> you know what's interesting is because I, I didn't, you, you know why I said, oh no? I didn't want to pray something, and then it not happen. I didn't want my son to see me pray and then God not show up. And I think what happens is a lot of times we don't ask God because we, don't, we want to give God an out. We don't want God to disappoint us again. And so we don't ask the Holy Spirit to show us. We don't ask the Holy Spirit to lead us. We don't ask the Holy Spirit to heal us. We don't ask the Holy Spirit to do these things. And you know what it says in James? It says, you have not because you ask not. And we just have to be people that ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. I've I, I found this. This is what I, I've found. That I, it's not my job to provide. It's my job to ask. Amen. And God may provide something different. He may not answer every single one of your prayers, and that's okay, because it's not your job to provide. You may be asking for the wrong thing, but your job is to ask, and God's job is to provide. But here's something really interesting that I saw as I was reading in, in uh, Judges that I thought was really, really interesting. It says this in verse five. It says, for behold, say behold. It says, for behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son and no razor shall come upon his head. For the boy shall be a Nazarite. Say Nazarite. It should be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver the Israel from the hands of the Philistines. I started to look at this, this word Nazarite and I'm going to be honest with you, at first I thought that he was a Nazarene, <laughs> but he wasn't born in Nazarene, in, in Nazareth. He wasn't a Nazarene. Nazarene a, Naz, uh, a Nazarene and a Nazarite are two totally different things. See, a Nazarite, here's what it means. It means this. It's from, it's from the Hebrew word Nazir, and it means this, to be consecrated or separated. To be consecrated, or and you know what it, here's what it basically means, is that the Holy Spirit empowered him to be different from everybody else. And we try to overcomplicate being led by the Spirit, and we overcomplicate this power and this strength, but you know what I find most of the time power and strength looks like? The fruits of the Spirit. Patience. <laughs> Kindness. Joy, self-control, gentleness, goodness, these are the things. So listen, let me just tell you something real quick. If you are led by the Spirit, you're going to be consecrated, you're going to be set apart, you're going to look different, and the power that you possess may not look like power at all. 
You may walk into your work and you have power because you walk with self-control when someone says something and you just want to smack them. When your child says to you something and you respond with gentleness, listen, that is to be led by the Spirit. And to be led by the Spirit is to possess the very power of God because Jesus said, I will leave you with someone even greater and he will empower you. He says it's this, to do even greater things than I have done. It's the Holy Spirit gives us power. So we have to start there. We have to start there. Billy Graham said this. He said, the greatest way to witness is through the life you live. Let the radiance of your Christian life be such that it will make others ask questions about your faith. It's to be led by the Spirit. The Spirit began to stir him. So point one, God is the source of our strength. Point two, I love this, this thought. And this is really the theme, I think, of what happens in, in Samson's life. Point two is this. Any great strength can become a weakness if we aren't careful to protect it. Any great strength. Sometimes, did you know your greatest strength can be your greatest weakness? You see this moment in Samson whenever he was like, I, he's like starts to brag a little bit in the story. He's like, I killed a thousand people with a jawbone. Like, I am so awesome. You see this pride rising up in him. Can I just remind some people that pride, becomes, pride comes before the fall. God is not looking for prideful people, but hu humble and hu humility out of people. Judges 16, skip forward in the story. It says, now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot there, and he went into her. When, he, when it was told to the, Gaza, the Gazites, saying, Samson has come here, they surrounded him and the place and laid in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. And they kept silent all night, saying, let us wait until till morning light, then we will kill him. Now Samson lay in there till midnight, and at midnight he arose, and he took hold of the doors of the city and the two posts, and he pulled them along, up along with the bars, and he put them on his shoulders and carried them up to the top of the mountain with the opposition of Hebron. So you see this strong man, but then we can begin to see a weakness set in. He's prideful, he's strong, he can do everything on his own, but then we start to see this. It says this, after this, after this, it came about that he loved a woman. It's always about a woman with a man, isn't it? It says, after this, it came about that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The lords of the Philistines came up to her and said, entice him and see where his great strength lies and how we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him. Then we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. And so you see if you just like kind of read the story, go back and read it. But she asks him three times and three times he lies to her and deceives her. And she finally gets to this place in, chapter, in verse 15. It says, then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have deceived me three times and have not told me where your strength lies. It came about when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him that his soul was annoyed to death. Somebody like, I've been there before. <laughs> Pressed him daily. That stuck out to me. Because I don't know about you, but the enemy presses me daily. The enemy is relentless. How many of you know that the enemy is, 
is described as the father of lies. You know what it says? It says that his native tongue is a liar. And for some of you, he's been lying to you, and he's been lying to you, and, and you're at a place where it's been going on so long that you're so tired, and you're so worn out, and maybe you're sitting online right now, maybe you're watching this back. I don't know when you're watching this, but you're so tired, and you're so worn out, and you feel like you can't go any longer. The enemy told, has told you that you can't find strength, and you've got to a place where you're tired and you're worn out. And it gets you to question. You know, I, I was thinking back in Genesis, very, before the very first sin even happens, says the enemy comes to Eve, and what's he say? Did God really say? Did God really say you can't eat of the fruit? He's sly and he's tricky. And he gets us questioning God, and he gets us questioning ourselves, and he gets us thinking things that aren't true, and he gets us believing lies, and it's little by little by little by little. I don't think anybody just try, just makes some huge sin in their life in one fell swoop. It typically happens over time. It just happens, just little by little. It's a, it's a little thing. I, I, I'm a fisherman. Any fishermen in the house? Like three of us. Awesome. Listen, sitting on the shore with a bobber is not fishing, okay? Like, you got it. I mean, there is strategy. I mean, I can just, I could talk to you about fishing for hours. But I love to fish. And I, I, my, my son, we used to have a boat, and my dad and I would take my oldest son, and we would love to fish. And, and my, my dad would sit in the back, and I would love to sit in the front. And the reason why I'd love to sit in the front is because I like the control of the trolling motor. Having control of the trolling motor is like having control of the remote control in your house. Any remote control people? I'm determining what's on TV. If you want to watch what I'm watching, hang out. So with the trolling motor, control the trolling motor, I get to pick the spots. I get to go and, and I'm, I'm picking the spots and I'm fishing. And by the time my son and my dad fish, I already know there's no fish there. So I'm going to outfish them. So I love to fish, and there was this one time, my, my, now my mom was always worried about my dad and I taking my oldest son out in a boat. I don't know why she was worried about that, but every time she'd be like, you bring my grandson home. And so this one time we went fishing, and I remember, I remember we were fishing, and we, we only had a little bit of battery left in, the, in the, uh, the battery left, battery power left, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and so we had a little bit of power left, and, and I thought to myself, you know what? We could probably go a little bit longer. Anybody been like me? You'd stretch it out. How many gas tank people, you're like, I can go a little bit longer? We've all been doing that lately, haven't we? And we had a little bit left in the power, and my dad and I were like, let's just fish a little longer. Come on, let's just fish. So we were fishing, and we were fishing, and all of a sudden, the battery power runs out. And you know what happened? I was so, I was, I was shocked by how quickly we had drifted down shore. And we got stuck in all these weeds, so we were in this really difficult spot because, because there was all these weeds. So we're about, a, we're about 100 yards off of shore, so we can't swim because it's super thick, um, but it's getting dark. And so we call my mom. <laughs> Every grown man calls his mom in a situation like this. And we called my mom and I said, 
Mom, I need a, we, we need you to, to, to call the, we need you to call the cops and get them here. We're in trouble. And she called the cops and they said to go by the ranger station. So my mom goes to the ranger station and nobody's there. And there's two cars in the parking lot, one of ours and one other, and the guy is pulling his boat out of the lake. So my mom runs over to him and says, I will pay you anything. I just need you to go get my grandson. I was like, Mom, I'm your firstborn son. What about your husband? She said, nope. And so he ended up coming and pulling us out. And it was, it was just this whole ordeal. But I always look back on that because it always spoke to me about how quickly we can drift. It's just little by little. Can I remind somebody in here today that it's just, it just maybe seems like a little text message to someone you shouldn't reach out to. It's just a little look on a computer screen that we shouldn't look at. Listen, in a business deal, it's just a little, it's just shading the lines just a little bit. It's just blurring and all my taxes just a little. It's not that big of a deal. It's not a huge deal. It happens, listen. It happens little by little. And then we get to a place just like we did and my dad and I are looking at each other saying, how in the world did we get here? And if you're honest with yourself, maybe you're online and you're sitting in your room by yourself and you're saying, how in the world did I get here? It was little by little. It was little by little. So we see him get tired. He's believing the lies. It was little by little. It wasn't, he lied to her three times. It deceives her. And finally gets to a place in, chat, in verse 17 where he says, he's tired. And so he responds. He says, so he told her all that was on his heart and said to her, a razor, never has, should come to my head. For I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I shave my head, my strength will leave and I will become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in his heart, she sent and called to the lords of the Philistines, come up once more, for he has told me all that is in his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. Look at this, check this out. This is interesting, I want us to catch this. It says, she made him sleep on her knees and called for the men and had him shave off the seven locks of his hair. Then she began to afflict him and his strength left him. She said, Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he woke from his sleep and said, I will go out there like the other times, this pride in him, and shake him off myself. But he did not know the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, and they brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze chains, and he was a grinder in the prison. The Philistines seized him. It says, however... Their hair of the head began to grow again after he shaved it off. There was, two, there was a couple of things that stuck out to me whenever I was reading this. When, I, when, when there's something that sticks out to you, I encourage you just to kind of just research it a little bit or just think about it. God will speak to you. I was thinking about the fact that he laid his head on, on her knees. Two things stuck out to me. First is this, is that we never make good decisions when we're tired. I don't know about you, but I don't make good decisions when I'm tired. Pastor John 
has said he doesn't make big decisions on Mondays. Because Mondays are a day after preaching and a day after exerting, and sometimes things come on Monday. And you know what? Can I just, can I just remind some people here? When you're tired and you feel like you've got to do something on a Monday, Tuesday's coming. <laughs> you can make that decision on Tuesday. I've made some major mistakes by making decisions when I was tired. I've had meetings with people that I've, I've reversed and been like, I shouldn't have had that meeting. I, should, I was not in the right place. And I've actually learned from it. And there's been times I've rescheduled meetings or I've changed plans because I just wasn't in the place for it. It's okay to take care of yourself. When the enemy is working on you and you're tired and you're exhausted, you know what? It's time to just say, listen, I'm not making any decisions today because we are all one weak moment away from being a victim to the enemy. One weak moment away. So we have to build boundaries to protect our strength. Second thought is this. This really stuck out to me. Is that he had become way too comfortable in his sin. So much so that he was willing to lay his head and rest in it. I I wonder if there's some stuff in our lives I've had it at times in my life where it doesn't even keep me up at night anymore. But I can sleep good and still not be living the life I'm supposed to be living. Listen, we can't become too comfortable with our sin. Here's what it says in James 4. It says, I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him, and he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, and and then this is the one we know right here. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will free from me. I, I looked up this word resist, and here's what it means in the scripture, in, in the Greek. It means to oppose. It means to resist. It means to withstand. It means to stand against. It means to stand against. I, I don't know about you, but for some people in here, I came to tell you today, it's time to stand up and to resist and stand against the enemy today. You've been believing too many lies and you're too worn out, and you know what? It's just time to stand. You're not going to make any decisions today, but you're going to stand today. You're going to stand. I, I was thinking about, it reminded me of, of you know, the enemy. It says in Scripture, it talks about him being a lion. You know, it says he's like a lion that's prowling around like a lion ready to pounce on his prey. And I was reminded of back whenever I, I was in Africa a few years ago and I went on safari and it was so different than I thought. I thought I was going to be in this like, you know, a tank going through this, this safari and we were in this open Jeep. <laughs> Anybody ever been on a safari before? 
Man, it's, it's, it's insane. You go in this open Jeep, and we're driving around, and it was so cool. There was this one moment when I'd look over to my right, and nobody, everybody else is looking to their left. They're looking at all these wildebeests, all these weird stuff. And I look to my right, and this lion is carrying this zebra with his mouth. And I got nervous. Because I thought, he may think I'm a zebra. And everybody, listen, listen, this is a true story. Everybody is so focused over here on what's going on, and I'm looking over here going, that lion is getting closer and closer. And the tour guide, he started laughing, and he looked back at me. And he said, oh, you're worried about the lion, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am worried about the lion, because there's no, we're not in a tank right now. I'm not protected. And I was on the outside, and I had my, actually, my hand over the side. He goes, you need to put your hand back in. Here's what he said. This was this stuck with me. He said, if you were to step out of this Jeep, the lion would pounce on you in a minute. But as long as you stay within him, all he sees is something bigger than him and he won't come near you. And so I said, I'm staying in this thing until we get out of here. I wonder... If the enemy is the same way with us, and he comes against us, and he's lying to us, and he's telling us everything that, that we shouldn't believe, and we get worn out, and we get tired, we get frustrated, but if we'll just stand up, dig our feet in a little bit, anybody been in a been in a little scuffle before? Maybe been in a fight? A couple of them. Someone raised their hand, both hands up here. I've been in a few. Any football players? Like, you know the, you know the hit's coming. What are you going to do? You're going to brace yourself. Something I used to do when I was going to get in a fight because I'm obviously huge. And you see guys do this. We like to puff our chests out, don't we? What are we doing? We're trying to make ourselves look just a little bit bigger. Here's what I love about God is if we rely on his strength, he makes us far bigger than we are. And there's a strength that we can rely on beyond ourselves. And if we'll just stand up and even do this, if we'll even, if we'll stand, you know what it says in Ephesians 6, it says to put on the armor of God. At the end of all of that, you know what it says? It says, and stand. And then it says this, and when you've done everything to stand, stand again. I think for some of us, we just need to stand up against the enemy and tell him, you're not gonna, you're not gonna feed me lies. I'm not gonna believe you. My strength comes from the Lord. And I'm going to protect my strength. But we all mess up. How many of us have messed up in here before? Never. We fail. But I'm so thankful that we don't serve a God that just writes us off. But I serve a God that, point three, when we fail, God is full of mercy and grace to those who cry out to him. Judges 16, 
It says then, uh, 28, it says then Samson called to the Lord and said, O Lord God, please remember me. And please give me and strengthen me just this time. One last time, God, he's crying out. I've made mistakes, I've been prideful. But God, would you strengthen me? He says, oh God, that I may once be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and braced himself against them. The one with his right hand and the other with his left hand. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. That's key, hold on to that. And he bent with all his might so that the house fell on the Lord's and all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed with his life. Then his brothers and all his father's household came down, took him, brought him up, and buried him between Zohorah and Ashtal in the tomb of Manoah, his father. Thus he judged Israel for 20 years. Two things stuck out to me. One, he wanted to be avenged for his eyes, but it was interesting to me that the entire time he had his eyes, he wasn't really seeing clear. It wasn't until he lost his eyes that he could truly see spiritually. He could truly see that this strength was not from him, but it came from far beyond him. It was, it was because his mom had set him apart and consecrated him and separated him from everybody else, that his strength came from God, that he realized that for the first time that I, I've got to humble myself. I can't, I can't do this on my own. So God, one last time, and the, the, the second thing, I was talking with Pastor John just between services about this, is that he, he killed more in his death than he did with his life. You know, you're more effective and can do more by dying to yourself than you can by trying to live on your own. Pride comes before the fall. Samson was very prideful, but he came to a place where he humbled himself. And he said, God, I've done it all wrong. I've messed up over and over. I thought this was because of my strength, but God, this is you. Would you do this one last time? And God was faithful and mercy, had mercy because he cried out to him. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Psalm 51. And the reason is because of what David is writing um, and why he's writing chapter 51. So basically, you know the story, I'm sure, but let me just kind of recap real quick. David sees a woman, just like Samson, wants what he can't have, you know, commits adultery with her, makes this huge mistake and ends up killing someone. I mean, it's just this massive deal. If you think you've messed up, just read the Bible, you're okay. David gets to this place in chapter 51 where he is basically crying out to God and saying, I'm so sorry, Lord, have mercy on me. And he gets to the very last verse. If you can follow me to the very last verse, Nicole, here's what he says. He says, will you restore to me the joy of your salvation? 
and make me willing to obey you. In the moments when I'm my weakest, when I've made mistakes because I've made a lot, I get to a place where I say, would you restore to me the joy of my salvation? And I go back to that place. I remember when I was a college kid, ended up in a service of a much smaller room than this. And I don't remember what the pastor preached. I don't remember what the worship was going on. But I remember the Holy Spirit meeting me and saying and calling me to a loving father who was full of grace and mercy. And every time I mess up, I, I, I ask God, I say this, God, would you restore to me the joy of the moment I gave my life to you? God, would you restore to me, for some of us in here, maybe today, maybe you've drifted. Maybe you've just been kind of doing your own thing. Maybe you've been operating in your own strength and God is calling you back to him. Can I remind you of something? God is full of grace and mercy for those who cry out to him. And he's gonna meet you with open arms and he will return to you the joy of that very moment, like the very first time that you gave your life to Christ. So what I wanna do is I wanna pray for us in here. If you'll just kind of close your eyes for just a second. Because if you want to be strong, you got to die. You got to die to yourself. For those of us in here that say, I need to turn back to the Father. I need to return to the joy of my salvation. Or maybe you're saying, I need to take a stand against the enemy. He's been, he's been messing with me and I've been believing the lies and I'm worn out. And today I take a stand. Today I return to my Father. If that's you, you've already given your life to Christ, but you want to return today. You've drifted. If that's you, would you lift your hand for me? Hands all over the place going up. I want you to, I want you to do something. I want you to put your hands out in front of you, kind of like a hands of a posture of receiving. Just, just have this picture. I want you to receive the loving grace and mercy that God has for you in this moment. So Father, we cry out to you, Lord, and we thank you that your grace and your mercy covers us all. So Father, right now, for those of us that have drifted, for those of us that have been believing the lies, Father, I pray that you would give us mercy. God, would you give us grace? God, would you meet us right where we are? And Father, would you return to us the joy of the very moment, that moment when we gave our lives to you, God, would it be as fresh, would we feel it just as fresh as we did in that very, very moment, Lord? How we love you. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church/give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.